Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Adam Koontz. I'm one of the student pastors on staff here. And um, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, um, excited to be here to be able to share my heart with you this morning. Um, my goal in 2021 was to listen to or read a certain number of books every year, or to read a certain number of books this year without spending a dime. I do this thing where I buy books with zero intention on reading them. It's weird. I recognize that. I wish it wasn't the case, but I love buying books. I do enjoy reading books, but oftentimes I find myself buying books with just the reality that they're just going to gather themselves into the stack that I have neatly on my desk or at home just waiting to be read. And the plan is I'll, I'll get to them eventually. So you could probably walk into my office uh, here or at home and see a number of books on my shelf, and you may draw some conclusions. Some of those conclusions may be that I'm an avid reader or that I'm very intellectual or maybe even that I've read every single book on my shelf, and none of those conclusions are actually true. I wish I was more of a reader. I wish that I read every book that I bought. I wish that I was even smarter than I am. And if I'm going to be 100% honest with you, it's that I've successfully read half of my books halfway through. <laughs> Which is causing like this certain thought to creep into your mind. What's the purpose of all the books if you have zero intention on reading them? It's a fair question. <laughs> so this year I discovered audiobooks through the, the Libby app. And so I'm now uh, reading, I count audiobooks as reading, by the way. So I'm reading a lot of books this year. And I think I had this thought in my mind that if I read more, then I would be better at life in general, in my relationships, in my relationships with God and with others. But when my reading is going so consistently fast before I ever have time to put anything into practice, my reading, or in my case, listening, isn't accomplishing what I really wanted to accomplish. I'm listening to the books, but am I really hearing it? You and I may not be all that different. Sure, you're probably more disciplined at reading a book in its entirety than I am. But maybe we are the same when it comes to following Jesus and obeying God and His Word to us. I think many of us can read our Bibles, listen to sermons, attend all the Bible studies or discipleship groups, and not really do anything different as a result. This can play out in other ways, too. Let's say you've asked your child to take the trash out. They verbalize that they will do it, but the trash is overflowing. It's been stuffed down now we are questioning the integrity of this trash bag if we get it lifted out. We need the trash taken out. How do you know your child has heard you? Let's say you've been sent on assignment by someone else to go to the grocery store and pick up three things, and only three things, no more, no less. How does that person know that you heard them? I've been working my way through the show MasterChef, and Gordon Ramsay gives these challenges to home cooks to perform, and at random points, the home cooks will be put in this professional, high-end restaurant, and they need to put on a dinner service. Gordon will be the one expediting the orders for the evening, which is essentially Gordon's listing off the meals that he needs made to take out to the customers. 
when Gordon reads off the ticket order, he expects the home cooks to yell, heard. He gets really angry if they don't. <laughs> so that's part, probably what makes the show. But yeah, we know that Gordon wants them to yell heard, but how does Gordon actually know that he's been heard? Let's shift directions now. How does God know that he has been heard? That's what we're going to wrestle to the ground this morning. What would your life look like if what we knew in our heads about the things of God actually transferred to our hearts and then naturally made its way out into our hands? Informing is important, but it's not enough for the follower of Jesus. If that were the case, just coming to church on a Sunday, listening to sermons in person or on podcast, attending all the Bible studies would be sufficient for being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. See, we know that it's not enough to just hear the gospel, but rather to respond to the gospel. It's not enough just to hear the word of God publicly proclaimed here on a Sunday, which brings me to our main idea this morning, that obeying God and his word flows from our head to our heart to our hands. This is the idea Jesus is trying to help his disciples see. He wants them to give special attention, not only to how they listen, but how they obey. Tim, in his message last week, discussed how we can listen well. And I'd encourage you to pull up last week's sermon if you did not have a chance to hear it. This passage from both last week and this week go along together and has more to do with one another than I had first realized. So we're going to read the passage in its entirety, both the text from last week's passage and today's passage. So as we're reading this, may we hear the word of God. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 21. Luke 8, verses 4 through 21. As a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away, since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground. When it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone who has ears to hear listen. Verse 9. Then his disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? So he said, The secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know, but to the rest it is in parables, so that looking they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, having no root. They, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life, 
and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it by enduring, produce fruit. Verse 16, No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come may see its light. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. Therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Verse 19, Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not meet with him because of the crowd. He was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he replied to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. May we obey the word of God. Pray with me in that. So God, may we not only just hear your word with our heads, God, but may we hear your word with our hearts. Lord, may you soften our hearts so that it would fall on good soil, Lord, and that it would naturally make its way through our heart into our hands. God, may you bring about conviction from sin. May you bring about encouragement and hope. Lord, we ask that you would do this all through your word, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So what Jesus is saying here is not overly difficult for us to understand. I think we all have a pretty firm grasp as to what's taking place. Jesus is helping us understand the spiritual condition of our hearts. And he uses the analogy of the sower, the seed, and the soil. The seed is the word of God and the soil is the condition of the hearts of the hearer. And when we hear the word of God, whether that is proclaimed publicly on a Sunday morning or privately in our own time with the Lord, to just hear the word of God and for it just to stay in between our ears does us no good. We're not benefiting from knowledge that doesn't translate into any other area of our life. It's when we hear the word of God and that seed falls on a heart that has cultivated good soil that we allow it to take root in our heart, which leads to a life of fruitfulness. See, if we're honest, we want to live a life that is half committed to following Jesus with the fruit that comes from a full-time follower of Jesus. In order for us to accomplish this, we're going to face a common temptation. And that is to let the word of God be heard. And instead of letting it take root in our heart, we try to bypass the heart into outward appearance of showing itself in our hands with no heart. That's how we fall victim to performing and pretending, where we do things out of duty rather than delight. I notice this in my own life when I do things that I know I should do, but do them without love. I can give and I can do so generously and I'll hate every moment of it. I'll do so with clenched teeth and white knuckles. And I can go and do something that the Lord has prompted me or impressed upon me to do and do it with a sour attitude or with sarcasm on the tip of my tongue. The disconnect that followers of Jesus, including myself, walk around with is a disconnected heart. 
So followers of Jesus, may we allow the word of God to be heard and heard well in order to cultivate a heart so that the seeds fall on good soil and will produce an abundant crop to further the work of our obedience to God and his word to advance his kingdom. So let's dig our heels into the text this morning. We're going to be in verses 16 through 21. Jesus says this, he says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. An oil lamp that's being referred to produces about the amount of light that a candle would. It wouldn't put out a lot of light, and so in order for it to even be remotely effective, it would need to be elevated and put on a stand of some sort. You would never consider putting a light like that under a, candle, uh, a clay jar or under a basket or under a bed. I mean, the basket would snuff out the light completely, and beds were more than likely made out of straw and would be completely dangerous. But the word picture we're getting is simple and clear, and I don't want us to miss this just because it's simple. You light a lamp to illuminate the room for all who enter into that room. To not would be a total waste of time and a waste of a resource. So don't miss this. That many followers of Jesus have heard and responded to the call of the gospel and have hidden and concealed that calling. They've done nothing with it. And it's as absurd as walking into a room, needing a light, turning on a lamp, and then stowing it under a bed, all the while still wishing that you had a light to turn on. Verse 17 tells us why this is the case. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. The Word of God reveals everything. Light does that. One commentary said it this way, people can fool themselves into thinking that they're standing in the faith, at least for a while, but are they shining with the light of the gospel? May God's word reveal to us the dark, distracted, and disinterested places of our heart that need to be addressed with the light and hope of the gospel. And may the sins that we coddle, entertain, and even premeditate be ruthlessly confronted with the light that comes from God and His Word. So whatever the condition of our heart, whether it be a hardened heart, a shallow heart, infested, or good, we must listen well with all that we have to God's Word when it's read privately and proclaimed publicly. Verse 18 says, Therefore, Take care how you listen. Some translations may consider carefully how you listen. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. So we need to consider carefully how we listen. Not if you listen, but how. Choosing not to listen is also a method for how you listen. In light of that, the, the more that we listen to God's word, the more we will receive. The less we listen to God's word, the more we will lose of it. It's like a muscle that isn't worked out or a second language that isn't practiced. We must put to practice what the Lord is refining in us. To not put to practice would be surrendering that refinement. 
verses 19 through 21. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not meet with him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he replied to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. What a passage on Mother's Day. <laughs> but in all seriousness, like this passage may not be as repulsive the more that we look into it. We can read this passage and just think, Jesus, my gosh, it's your mother. You know? But you know, we grew up with a, a strong family dynamic to be proud of the family crest. But those weren't the same kind of loyalties that Jesus had in his day. There were some, obviously, and mothers, or mom and brothers are trying to finagle their way to the front, pulling the mom car, like, I am his mother, let me go see him. Trying to just get, get to him, but Jesus, we can draw these conclusions that he wasn't honoring his, his family there, but think ahead with me. Who did Jesus ask to see on the cross? He loved and respected and honored his earthly family while here on earth. But hearing and doing the word of God does shift our loyalties. And like you and I resemble our families in one way or another, so should we reflect our Heavenly Father and our faith family. The more that we spend time in God's word, the more that we sit in His presence and commune with Him and with brothers and sisters, we should be resembling the family for those that are in the faith. And in an effort to tie it all together, how do we hear the Word of God and allow it to take root in our hearts so that we can be obedient to the Word of God? How can we cultivate the soil in our heart to produce a crop that is fruitful for the kingdom of God? We know from the parable last week that the problem is never with the seed, which is the word of God. The problem is with the soil, the condition of our hearts. When God plants the seed in our hearts and it falls on good soil, the fruit is spectacular. There's nothing quite like it. And Tim gave us three points when it comes to hearing well last week. He does a much more and better thorough job in breaking these down, but I will touch on them briefly. He gave us three points on hearing well. The first one was to pray. If you want to hear well, we should pray. Pray for soft hearts and good soil. Ready your heart. When you come here on Sunday mornings, is your heart ready to hear the Word of God proclaimed publicly? Secondly, he mentioned last week to be intentional. Before the sermon, during the sermon, after the sermon, set yourself up for success. Focus. Do whatever it takes to ensure that you listen and hear well. Be intentional with that. Play offense. Lastly, he mentioned to walk in obedience. And he asked the question, how do you know if hearing has happened? Fruit. J.C. Ryle, in his commentary on Luke, says this, and this will be on the screen. The gospel which we possess was not given us only to be admired, talked of, and professed, but to be practiced. It was not meant merely to reside in our intellect and memories and tongues, but to be seen in all of our lives. Before we come to church on Sunday mornings, have we readied our heart to hear the word of God proclaimed 
publicly. Being in ministry for a number of years now has revealed some weak spots in my walk with the Lord. And God was kind to me when He brought me to the realization a few years ago that I was coming to church Sunday after Sunday with a heart that wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to worship. I wasn't ready to open and receive God's word. I wasn't ready to proclaim with all my heart, take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Take my life and let it be yours. I wasn't ready for that. My head would nod along with the message, but my heart wasn't ready and open and receptive to that. I was relying on church to get me to that point rather than readying my heart before I came into into these doors. So whether I'm up here proclaiming the truth of God's word or if I'm in the seats with, with you all, my heart needs to be ready all the same. The martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer provides for us an incredible example when it comes to listening to the Word of God. One of the commentaries I referred to provided this example, and it painted such a good picture, I wanted to share it with you. Bonhoeffer ran an underground seminary for theological students during the oppressive years of Nazi Germany. He was a very intelligent man. You can tell that if you read any of his books. I would probably read them halfway through. But in his homiletics class, Bonhoeffer would listen to his students preach God's word and he would always set aside his pencil and listen intently with his Bible open before him, no matter how poor the sermon was. He believed that the preaching of God's word ought to be attended as if he were listening to the very voice of God. That is how we ought to try to listen too always looking to the text, always praying, walking with intentionality that leads to obedience. So let's talk practically. Last week, Tim covered hearing well, and for us this week, we're going to talk obeying well. First, we're going to pray. And I think prayer is crucial to hearing well, but I also think it has something to do with obeying well. Prayer is about hearing. But we are also called to pray and to be obedient in that. And oftentimes we can find ourselves saying these common phrases, I'll pray for you. I'm going to pray for that. I'm praying. And sometimes I'll either forget to pray about those certain things or I'll think about it slash worry about it instead of actually bringing it to God. And prayer is tricky because it's invisible. You can't see prayer, but what if we did something to actually help with that? You could pray with a pen. You could journal your prayers. And fellas, this is not a diary. It's a prayer journal. (laughs) But I used to have to do that because I I was so distracted and I couldn't ever, I felt like I couldn't ever finish a prayer because I'm so distracted. Pray with a pen. And you'll be surprised and amazed at how many people God will bring to your mind as you are writing out your prayers. There's so much to pray for. So many people in our lives that God has put you directly in their circle and God is calling you to pray for them. Pray with a pen. It allowed me to slow down, to breathe and allow my heart to go to God in prayer. Your prayers, like Tim said last week, have a role to play in the very will of God on behalf of His people and His kingdom. 
is through the avenue of prayer. There are millions and millions in the world with no spiritual light at all. And they are without hope and are unreached with the gospel. Secret Church a few weeks ago brought to mind how much of the world is truly unreached. And what are we to do? Are we to just sit back and throw our hands up and say, I don't know what to do, so I'm just not going to do anything? I don't think we would ever verbalize that. But I think that's what our heart is actually believing. So many people in our own city, country, and world are dead in their sins, and what are we to do? And until you figure that out, you pray. You pray. The app Unreached of the Day, it's by Joshua Project, was talked about at Secret Church. Every day, it brings to light a people group that is unreached with the gospel. It gives you the population of that specific people group, the percentage that are Christian, the primary religion, the primary language, and the status is always read, and it says, unreached. It gives detailed information that I didn't even know these, this people group even existed. This app does everything but pray on your behalf. It gives you the tools that you need to do something. Because our prayers matter. What are we to do? We can pray. I've listened to David Platt's podcast. It's called Pray the Word. And every day he prays a passage of scripture. And it always includes an unreached people group. And at first I was like, how does he know of all these unreached people groups? He uses unreached of the day. It's enlightening, but also it gives you specific ways on how you can pray. It gives you everything you need to pray effectively on behalf of the unreached. Secondly, we can be intentional. Tim mentioned in his sermon a few months ago, and I think it was just kind of an offhanded statement, but it, it, struck, it struck me. He said, anytime we open God's word, it brings about an opportunity for sanctification. God's word, through the avenue of hearing and doing, can refine us and chip away at the hardened soil of our hearts to make us look more and more like Jesus. It's an ongoing, lifelong process that will not be complete until the day of Jesus returns. So we intentionally open God's word. We hear the words, yet it does us no good if we don't take action. So God's word must be practiced. When reading God's word, it's helpful to ask some questions like, how does this passage prompt me to pray? How should I pray as a result of this passage? What does this passage ask of me or demand of me? Who should I share the truths of this passage with? When we ask questions like this alongside reading God's word, we walk with intentionality. That we don't intend on it just to stay in our heads, but for it to move through our hearts and out with our hands. And I know for myself, when I am intentionally in God's word, I live differently. I act when I normally wouldn't act. This played out in my life in a number of ways, but one way in particular was when I was working at High V. I was a senior in high school, and a, a lady came in who was in obvious distress. 
She asked uh, where the bottles of water were, so I took her to the aisle, and in conversation, she told me that her house had just burned down that morning, and she just had a few dollars to buy the water for her family. She wasn't asking anything of me. She didn't hint towards me to help her out financially. I just had a prompting. The nudge in my spirit to give her all the money in my wallet. I was fearful. I I hadn't done anything like that before. And I only had $9. That was it. I wasn't going to fix anything. Logically, it didn't make sense. So I told her that I was sorry to hear that and that I hoped things work out for her. She went up to the front to go pay, and I went back to what I was doing so disappointed. I was so disappointed in myself, and I couldn't shake the thought, I should have obeyed. I should have obeyed. That was an opportunity, and I missed it. And sometimes we make walking by faith nearly impossible because we walk with the lens of logic. God isn't concerned about us being logical. He's concerned about us being obedient. Lastly, we need to walk in obedience. And this may seem redundant. To obey well, we need to obey. And it is redundant. But on another level, we must be obedient to the things the Lord has called us to. Walk in obedience where God has you, in your discipleship relationships. Walk in obedience to your accountability groups and to your people. Be who God has called you to be with your families and in your community. There are a number of leaders and and volunteers here at LCF that make ministry happen all days of the week. Whether that's taking place here on a Sunday morning for service or for Kids Point or Sunday evening in student ministry, Tuesday evenings for truth seekers or just a slew of other ministries and small groups that meet throughout the week. Those ministries and groups need someone who's walking in obedience to what God has called them to. And a few weeks ago, we had a ministry come to LCF to build bunk beds for kids in our community that sleep on the floor in their own homes. Sleep in Heavenly Peace is a ministry with such a specific focus A ministry like that doesn't even get birthed unless someone is walking in obedience to the the whispers, nudges, and promptings of the Holy Spirit. The list could literally go on and on with ministries inside the church and outside the church. And the common denominator with all of these are that they walked in obedience. They didn't solve the problem in its entirety, but they were obedient. So how does God know that we have been, that he has been heard? We obey. Obeying God and his word flows from our head to our heart and to our hands. And if you have responded to the gospel and received grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the light that you have is not meant to be lit and placed under the covering of your comforts or sinful desires. The light that you have is meant to be placed on the stand of your life that is from obedience to God and His Word. Brian, you and the band can make your way up to the front now. The important thing for us to navigate when it comes to obedience 
is that in your strength, you can't. You can't be obedient left to yourself. Moments of obedience to God and His Word is grace. It's an act of God's grace that the same power that raised Christ from the grave is the same power that is at work within us, empowering us to walk in obedience. And Jesus is inviting you and I to live a life that's an extension of that love that he has exemplified for us. Jesus was perfectly obedient. He was obedient in his life. His obedience in this life led him to die a sinner's death. And his obedience conquered the curse of death in his resurrection. Jesus was perfectly obedient. And his obedience led to his ascension leaving for us a helper, an advocate, the Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us and empowering us to live a life that's obedient to Him and His Word. And it flows from our head to our heart and to our hands. Amen? Let's worship as a response.